Take your Bibles to uh, the book of uh, First Chronic, me Second Chronicles chapter nineteen. Second Chronicles chapter nineteen, and that is where we'll be studying from. Second Chronicles chapter nineteen. And, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 3. 2 Chronicles chapter 19, <clears throat> verses 1 to 3. And my text verse is in verse 2. And Jehoshaphat the king of Judah returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jeho, the son of Hanani, the seer, which is also mean the prophet, the seer means prophet, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Look at verse 3. Nevertheless, there are some good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine hearts to see God. Uh, tonight I want to talk about is it right, is it right to expose false doctrines, preachers, and churches today? Is it right, is it biblical for us to expose false doctrines, uh, false teachings, and false teachers in the world today? You know, when we look at this story very well, we can see Jehoshaphat became an ally with Ahab, the king, a wicked king. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. And Ahab is the king of Israel. The ten tribes of the children of Israel. Ahab was their king. Why Jehoshaphat is the, is the king over the ten, I mean, two tribes of the children of Israel, and they have their capital as Jerusalem, and they are called the children of Judah, which, I mean, which later become the Jews. So, I mean, Ahab went to the war, he was going to fight, and he realized that he needed someone to, went, I mean, to go to the battle with him. And he went to Joseph, he sent a letter to Joseph, Joseph, can you help me so that we can fight the war against these people? Now, Josephat also said, no, don't worry. My people are your people. You know, I can come to you at any time. Your wish is my command. Send me. I will go for you. Now, Josephat and Ahab, they went to the battle together. And the Bible tells us that the battle went Difficult when you look at when you read verse eight, I mean chapter 18 very well. The battle went so difficult for them. Look at verse 3 in verse 31. And it came to pass, verse 31 of Second Chronicles chapter 18. The Bible says, And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they compassed about him to fight him. But Joseph cried out, the Lord helped him, and the Lord helped him. And God moved them to depart from him. You know what happened? Joseph, Ahab gave Joseph his kingly uh, clothes. You wear my clothes, I will disguise myself. 
Now, people thought that it was the king. He was, I mean, it was Ahab. And the Bible says they compassed him about. They rounded him, ready to kill him. And the Bible says, Jehoshaphat cries, no, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. And the Bible says, he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord helped him. And that is why when he came back home, he began to thank the Lord. And that is when Jehoshaphat, God sent Jehu, the son of Anani, the prophet, and said unto him, Jehoshaphat, why should you have to help the ungodly and those who hate the Lord? Because of it, the wrath of God is upon thee. So God is saying that, Jehoshaphat, listen up, these people are wicked. King Ahab is a wicked king. Ahab is a wicked king. Why do you have to go and help him? Why do you have to go and be the one to take care of him? Why do you have to fight the battle? Why do you have to be in charge of his army? No, why do you have to do that, King Ahab? I mean, Jehoshaphat. So God approved Jehoshaphat because he did something that is contrary to the will of God. It is not God's plan for God to help Ahab. God had a plan for Ahab to be destroyed. But Joseph went and helped Ahab. Let me tell you tonight. It is Bible. It is Bible based that we need to expose false doctrines. People who are teaching things contrary to the word of God. You know, we have so many false churches in our world today. They are preaching something that is not Bible based. That is not in the word of God. And it is, the, it, it, is, it, it is high time for we believers, for we Christians, we need to stand up and preach what saith the Lord, what the Bible teaches. And that is why we should not keep silent. Someone said this, he said, evils prevail. Evil prevails because good men do nothing. Because we as good people, we don't do anything, and that is why evil it's rising. Evil is increasing every day because we the good people, we don't do anything about it. And that is why when someone is doing something wrong, as believers, you shouldn't keep quiet about it. You know, sometimes we look at it and say, ah, I don't want them to be talking about me. I don't want them to mention my name. But people are living a wicked life and we Christians, we say nothing about it. And that is why evil will continue to prevail because good men do nothing. It is Bible. It is scriptural. The principle of destruction and evil and the cultivation of righteousness is a principle that is Bible-based and is scriptural. The Bible tells us and teaches us that it is morally right to destroy sin and build righteousness. It is morally right. So don't let anyone tell you that if you are doing something right, oh, why do you have to do that? Listen, it is Bible-based. And let me tell you something. God will hold you responsible and accountable for every opportunity that you have to do right and you ignore to do right. God will hold you responsible. Now, if God will hold me responsible and accountable for every opportunity for me to do right and I didn't do it, and every life that I've been destroyed because I have opportunity to do what is right and I fail to do what is right. In our civil government, they teach us that lawlessness and immoral principles should be exposed. And those who practice such should be punished. 
Now, the government will tell us that if someone is doing something wrong in your community, what do they ask us to do? To blow whistle, right? Whistle blowers. You blow whistle when something is wrong. If you see your neighbor, someone who is, I mean, who is your neighbor? And the person is, a, is an armed robber. It is that according to the government, if you cover the person, you are part of his evil deeds. You should expose the person as scriptural in the Bible. And also the government said that. So we shouldn't cover people that are doing wrong. We shouldn't hide people that are doing wrong. And that is why we have responsibility as Christians to expose. The Bible says, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather we should expose them. We have responsibility that God has given to us. We should not have any fellowship. You know the fellowship is that word. Only we should not have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. But one thing God is asking us to do, we should rather reprove them. So if God wants, if the, if the government, they want us to expose those who are practicing lawlessness, iniquities, immoralities, what about those who are committing them in Christianity? They need to be exposed. They need to be exposed. They need to be preached against. They need to be called out according to the word of God. Example. Nocivic people fight diseases. They report crimes just because of their love for their loved ones and friends. Let me tell you. Why do you have locked in your houses? Why do you have locked? Because of your love for your people. You can leave your house open at night without closing your doors. But because of the people, good people inside, you don't want them to be exposed to bad people outside. That is why you are keeping your family from what? From dangers. And that is why God wants us to understand. Christian, we need to maintain purity in our doctrine. We need to maintain purity in our churches. We need to maintain purity. In everything that we do, in, in, in teaching of the word of God, there should be maintenance of purity. Therefore, it is no less reasonable that a Christian should recognize the existence of lying prophets, Isaiah's religious growth, and false apostles. He, is he guiltless before God, who sits silently without protest when the doctrine of devils have been preached all about him to the destruction of souls, and spiritual lives of his own loved ones and friends. You know, we have so many people today, their lives have been destroyed just because we see that, well, we don't have any other choice. You know, sometimes we go to church, and we know that this thing, what they are preaching is not right. But we say, well, we don't have any other choice. We don't have any other choice just to accept what they are saying. You do have choice, whether to accept or not to accept. So God is telling us that it is right, it is godly to expose evils in heretical denomination using the word of God. To expose religious wickedness does not bring the praise of men, but it does receive the sanction of the Almighty God. You know, God wants us to reprove those who are doing wrong. It's not for our glory. It's not for you to glory. Yeah, some people are doing bad. Yeah, bless God. No, that is not what we are saying. We are saying that for the sake of the innocent people. 
For the sake of people that do not know between the right and wrong. I've met so many people, they are so naive. They are naive about the word of God. They do not even know anything about the Bible. They just take what is, what is thrown to them. That is all what they do. They just take book. They don't even know the Bible. They depend on their pastors to tell them what the Bible says. You know, why not, I mean, why not we God's people be willing to say, no, this is what the Bible teaches. This is what the word of God is saying. It is the right thing to do because it brings glory to God. You know, majority carries the vote does not want their erroneous leaders to be exposed. You know, when you talk about so many religious leaders today that are not being right for God, you know, people say, yeah, let's just do what they are doing. Because they are majority. They are mainstream churches. We have so many mainstream churches today. They are practicing things that are not right, that are not biblical. It is not even in the Bible. Because you know, Lord, I want to shake it. But because they are so plenty, we think that God is with them. Oh, because they have so many churches, we think that God is with them. Because we think that they have so many leaders, we think God is with them. Listen, everything that we Christians need to do, we must check it in line with the word of God. You see, God's men, great leaders, have always been men who stood family against evil religious and sects. And God's people who are true to him have always stood by God's men when they expose religious wickedness and errors. So one thing I want us to understand is, so many things will be exposed to us. We will see from the Bible that some teachers that are so rampant in our community, in our society today, that are not even biblical. They are not, they are not even in the word of God that many of us will believe today. I used to believe those things. Oh, these things are right. And I used to affirm that, wow, this is the right way for us to do it. But because I was so naive, I was so... Uh, I do not know the, the difference. That is why I have to believe everything that has been said. Now, look at what, what the Bible talks, I mean, talks about. We see so many examples in the Bible of people that will reprove other people for their wrongdoings. We have people that will reprove other people, leaders. The first example we want to talk about is Moses. You know, Moses was a leader of the children of Israel. It was God's chosen to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. They were to go on a promised land. And they had the shortest way. But God did not take them through the shortest way. God took them through the Red Sea. They passed through the Red Sea. Because, let me, let me be honest with you. When God is taking you to a destination, sometimes God wants you to experience some things on your journey. As you are going. So we shouldn't look at God. God, why are you taking me through all this journey? Why just don't you take me to where I'm going? You will never appreciate life. If you get to where you are going instantly. You will never appreciate life. So as Moses was leading the children of Israel. He led them to the Red Sea. I wish I could see someone that was alive. To testify about Red Sea today. But we have everything in the Bible. Amen. You know, we have everything in the Bible to show us how the experience of the Red Sea. So, Moses took them to the Red Sea. They experienced the Red Sea. Now, they go to the wilderness. And Moses also, he was the one that took them through the wilderness. The wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness. Many things happened in the wilderness. 
But it was a time that God said, now, I want to give my people my laws. Now, Moses went 40 days in the mount of God to receive the two tables of stone, which are the Ten Commandments. Now, one thing I wanted to understand is why Moses was busy up. The people came to Moses, the children of Israel, they came to Moses and said, Moses, I mean Aaron, they came to Aaron. Say, Aaron, we don't know what has happened to Moses. Okay? You know, one thing you can do for us, make us a God, make us an idol that will lead us, just like Moses was leading us. And Aaron said, okay, fine. Bring your hearings. And Aaron made a God's for them. And Aaron said, Behold, your gods who deliver you from the hand of Egyptians, who deliver you from the slavery, who deliver you from bondage. And they were shouting. The Bible says they were shouting, they were dancing, they were naked. Every one of them, they were so naked, they were drunk, praising the golden calf that they made. Praising that that is their God that delivered them from the promised land. You know, when, this, when Moses came, Moses was like, Moses came and Joshua. And Joshua said, these are the people that were fighting for mastery. They were fighting the enemies of God's people. But Moses said, no. This is not the kind of voice I'm hearing. I'm hearing the voice of those who are dancing. And Moses, when Moses came down, he saw all the people dancing, jumping, partying, wickedness. You know what Moses did? The two tables of stones. He was so angry with passion that the people of God can quickly turn from, to, onto idols from seven living God 40 days after the leader went up to meet with the Lord. Moses was so angry. Moses lay, he smashed it on the floor, and the thing broke. He was so angry with people, and he was so angry to the point that he asked to call the house. He asked to call that more, I mean, Aaron. He said, Aaron, why did you do this? He said, you know these people, they are sickness people. They will not let they will, they, will, they will not do what I asked them to do. They just want their way. Aaron was just complaining about the people and he failed to be responsible for his own action. And because of this, let me tell you, 3,000 people lost their lives. Listen, we have need for God's men and women who will stand up for Righteousness. They will oppose every evil thing that has been done in the name of Christ. Let me tell you something. I can't mention many of them, but I can tell you so many things I have heard in churches today. In the name of people, in the name of crowd, people will do so many wickedness. They want to beat crowds. I have heard a, a pastor here in Akure, to be honest with you, one man was telling me, a pastor here in Akure sacrificed his own child in the name of building church in the name of crowd I heard it and another that one of the pastors he brought one of his friends to 
to do the same thing. See, so many wickedness has been done in the name of Christ. You know, you know the meaning of that? Money. The higher the crowd, the bigger the money. It is high time with God's people. We stand and say, no, we need Christians, Bible-believing pastors who will be honest with the word of God, whether there is crowd or no crowd. Amen? It is not about a crowd. Listen, the moment we focus our attention on the number of people, we will lose the real focus of why we are here. We are here to serve the Lord, folks. And that is why Moses, he took his turn. He refuted his own brother for permitting Israel to worship the golden calf. He said, Moses, I mean Aaron, why do you have to do this? You led the people naked to their shame. You led the people naked to their shame. Look at how shameful these people were. And that is what happens when people are not covered. It's a shame. It's a shame unto people who are not covered. So I want you to understand. And the Bible tells us that open rebuke is better than secret love. Amen? Open rebuke is better than secret love. There is a young man I've been talking to. He was here last Sunday and is, he attends Kerubu and Seraphos. So, uh, I have been showing him some things in the Bible, showing him the Bible, and he has been reading his Bibles. He told me, he said himself, said, listen, I have never been reading my Bible, and I was a youth president. He said, I'm a youth president. I have never been reading my Bible, but you have been helping me grow more and more. And he asked, when we go, I will spend two hours every Wednesday with him, looking at the Word of God. And one day he asked me, and I always speak out everything that they are doing wrong, and I show him from the Bible, say, listen, this is what is not right, this is what is not right, this is what is not right. Uh, one of them, I said, listen, when we pray, when we go before God to prayers, and I said, one of the things that I've seen that people do that is wrong is the Father, when we want to pray, they will ask us to mention 10 amens, 50 amens, 100 amens, before God will answer our prayers. I said, listen, in the Bible, when we pray, when God's people pray, there is only one amen. Amen? There is no two amens. There is no three amens. There is no uh, solid amen in the Bible. There is only one amen. And the meaning of amen is, let it be. That is the meaning of amen. And every time God's people pray in the Bible, they will all say together, Amen. And there is another time I find two amens. You know what? Amen and amen. Amen, ati, amen. That is in the Bible. And the guy was like, well, you are right. It's in the Bible. And I showed him how Jesus prayed. Because he asked me that, well, you can teach. He said, I want, I want, I want, to, I want to tell you something. Hope you will not get angry with me. He said, oh, well, you, you can preach, you can preach. But, uh, really, you don't pray. And I laughed. I said, what do you mean by don't pray? He said, well, uh, you don't shout. <laughs> I was like, prayer is not shouting. When you look at the Bible, prayer is talking to God. Okay? I said, those are the things that we get wrong in Christianity today. 
And that is why we Christians, we need to be very careful when they will ask, you know, you have to shout before God will hear you. No, you don't have to shout before God will hear you. Anna didn't shout when God heard our prayer. When God heard her, Anna didn't shout. And when the prophet of Baal, when they were shouting, Elijah didn't shout. He spoke to God. And I said, listen, according to the Bible, even when Jesus Christ gave us a pattern to pray, say, this man, I want you to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it in heaven. I said, that is the pattern Jesus gave us on how to pray. I said, listen, in Christianity today, they make you believe that the higher you shout, the more God will hear you. Now, shouting in the Bible is always with people who are singing. And also with people that, goes to, people that go to war. Those are the people that shout. That is, those people that are fighting, they were the ones who shout. But when you are talking to God, you have to be in reference to God. It has to be in reference to God. We have to reference God, honor God in everything that we do. So do we show reference to God in our prayer? So those are the things, and I showed the young man, to be honest with you, the young man was just looking at me. He didn't know what to say. Now, sometimes we know that what we are doing is right, except we let the Bible decide what we are doing. It is our responsibility as Christians. People do not understand this. People do not know the truth. We have responsibility to show them that, listen, this is what the Bible says. I have been talking about so many things. I mean, explain so many things to him. I explained from, I started from salvation. I started from eternal security. I started from baptism. I said, I, I mean, just building up, building up, building up, showing him from the Bible. We need to expose the truth. The truth is so hard today to find. In the churches, we don't want to talk about some certain things. There are some things that church we don't talk about. That we are so silent about that. Oh, we should not talk about this. If we talk about this, our people will leave. Oh, let's just stop. We shouldn't, we shouldn't talk about this. So there are some things that we need to stand up as believers and say, listen, here is what the Bible says, whether you will want to hear or you don't want to hear. But the word of God is still the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen? It will never change. Even though people are changing, it will never change. So we look at the example of Moses. Moses refuted his brother. His own brother said, you have done wrong. You should be the one to lead these people to righteousness. Not to lead them in unrighteousness. Number two. We look at the example of Elijah. Now, Elijah reproved the best prophets. He challenged their faith and their entire religious movement. He did not challenge their sincerity, but he did challenge their being right. So if you are right, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, that is where you will find it. So listen, if you are right, if your God is right, let the fire come down. And consume this offering. He challenged them. He challenged them. Listen, it is high time for us to challenge people. Show me from the Bible where you believe what. That is simple. You know, sometimes because of our religious movement, because ah, that is the way we used to do it. We don't challenge ourselves from the word of God. Ah, Jekyll alone will call challenge you. No, why do we do what we do? Is it in the Bible? You know, I love, someone asked me the other time, he said, why don't you use drums in your church? 
I said, listen, one thing is, do we have to use, use drum in order for us to praise God? In order for us to please God? In order for us to serve God? The Bible says, God is spirit. They that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. You don't need drums to worship God. We don't even need keyboard to worship God. Your heart. Is your heart honest with God? So that is what God is looking for. Now, now we have so many people today, they have all kinds of instruments, but their hearts are not right. We have so many questions, oh, why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing this? We can only go and find the answer in the Bible. Elijah challenged, we should always challenge the people. You say we believe this. Why do we believe this? Show me from the Bible. Let's reason together from the Bible. Why do you believe what you believe? Listen, the problem is we do not want to reason. We just want to think automatically and now what we believe is what we believe. Who am I to challenge them? Listen, if you think that something that we are doing here is not right, you have a right to say, Pastor, can you show me in the Bible why we do what we do? Oh, you preach a message. Can you show me in the Bible why we believe that? Listen, everything that we want to say, it has to come in from the word of God. And listen, I've seen a lot of people who will take one scripture and build their entire doctrine on it. You don't build your doctrine, your church doctrine, on one passage of the scripture. You search the scripture. So Elijah challenged the prophet of Bay in the book of First Kings, chapter 18, verses 21 to 40. And the second person is Ezekiah. Ezekiah the king. In the book of Second Kings, look at take your Bibles to Second Kings chapter 18. Second Kings chapter 18. King Ezekiel, when, when he became a king, a lot of things went so bad. Went so bad. A lot of things has been done. But when he became a king, he started reforming the church. He started his own reformation. Look at what the Bible says in Second Kings chapter 18, verses 4 to 7. Look at what it did. The Bible said, let's start from verse 3. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the, the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. And he called it Nahum Shetan. He trusted in the Lord, God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings, nor any that were before him. For he cleaved to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. Look at verse 7. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. So we can see someone like Ezekiel the king. He took a public stand in religious matter upon becoming a king. So he said, no, I'm not going to be partaker of what you are doing. He cleansed the whole place up. He cleansed the whole land from 15 that they were worshipping idols. They were doing wickedness. But when he became a king, the Bible said, he cleansed everything. 
And he exposed the wickedness that people used to pray. Say, I'm not going to have anything to do in what you were doing. I'm going to separate myself unto God. I knew that God is the one that brought me here. Now, when we go back and front, it will always come back to the point that, where is that in the scripture? Show me in the scripture why we believe what we believe. So it is right as Bible believing Christians, we need to stand up and say, listen, if it is against the word of God, I'm not going to believe it. One of the things that is against the word of God that people believe today is the fact that you have to pray for Holy Spirit to come inside your heart. Now, the Holy Spirit of God does not come into the heart of unsaved man. You don't pray for the Holy Spirit of God to come into your heart. You receive Holy Spirit when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, I grew up where they have to pray. No, it's not, it's not going to want no year because when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is there already. It's the presence of God in your heart that God has given to you as a token when He saved you. So you don't pray separately for the Holy Spirit to come inside your heart when the Bible says that that Spirit of truth, when it comes, it will abide with us forever. And Holy Spirit does not go anywhere. Amen? It does not go anywhere. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Holy Spirit is there and it will always be with you forever. So don't let anyone tell you that, oh, Eminem Salah. You know, here is one thing that people will tell you, oh, what about David? You know, David in the Bible, he prayed, when he prayed in Psalm 51, he said, you know, uh, take not the Holy Spirit from me. Now, you understand from the book of uh, Psalm 51, David knew the presence of Spirit. Now, here is what happened. In the Bible, the Spirit comes over God's people and use them. The Spirit of God. I mean, the Spirit of God does not indwell believers in the Old Testament. It will only come upon them and use them for a mighty work. And after that, the Holy Spirit of God will live. Now, every time that they want to do something spectacular for God, the Bible said the Holy Spirit of God will come upon them. And it will use them for that special work. Now, he realized this truth when King Saul, when he became a king, and he rebelled against God. And the Bible says, God gave him the evil spirit. Now, the evil spirit, the opposite of evil spirit is the Holy Spirit. So, David was afraid when he committed sin with Bathsheba that, am I not going to turn to something else? He's not going to do with my life the same thing he did with Saul, the king, when he rebelled against God. So, David was, was worried about what would be my hand because I have committed this wickedness against God. So the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon believers in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit of God does not leave believers. The Holy Spirit of God, once you receive the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, the Bible says it will be with us forever. Amen? And that is the benefit that we have. Now that is why the Bible says, if you do not have the Holy Spirit of God, you are none of us. If you do not have the Holy Spirit of God, you are none of us. Now you can grieve the Holy Spirit. People can grieve the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit will not even talk to you. The Holy Spirit will not even guide you. The Holy Spirit will not even lead you when you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It's there. It's always your helper. But if you are living the life that is not pleasing to God, the Holy Spirit will not be glad 
and they will just be looking at you in silence. That is why the believers, they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they were able to do something spectacular for God. One shell on Yano for so I'm telling us tonight, our Bible-believing Christians, like Ezekiah, as if this is something great for God, he took a public stand against the religious matters upon becoming king. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. I want to cleave unto the Lord God. Now, there's another example in the New Testament. It's John the Baptist. If you know John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a fearless man. He wasn't afraid of anybody. He will always tell the truth whether you want to hear or not. You know what he called the Pharisees? He viper. I'm talking about viper. A very poisonous snake. That was what he called the Pharisee. Say, so all ye generation of vipers, poisonous snakes, even they were there. He wasn't afraid of them. He took a stand. Say, listen, you are so wicked. You are so wicked to the point that anything that you touch will die. That was what he was saying. You poisonous snakes. You are ready to devour anyone. You are ready to destroy lives. John the Baptist stood firm on religious morals and truth. His stand cost him his life. Even to the point that he told the king, Herod, Herod, it is not good for you to have your, sister, your, I mean, your brother's wife. Listen, Herod is not right. You took your brother's wife, which is not right. Don't know what they did? They took him and they took him to prison for standing for God. Let me tell you something. If you are standing for God, there will be persecution. They will tell you that you are stupid. They will tell you that oh, you are old-fashioned. They will tell you that ah, he wants name. He wants to be popular. He wants people to know him. But I'm saying that as Bible-believing Christians, we must stand for what is right, whether people want to do it or not. So it cost John the Baptist his life. He exposed religious hypocrisy, heresy, and the wrong thing. They were done in the land. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Matthew. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. And look at, let's start from verse 7. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 to 12. Look at what the Bible says. Say, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees came, come to his baptism, he said unto them, Whole generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth Therefore, fruit meet for repentance. And think not to say within, thy, within yourself, We have Abraham to our father. For I say, unto, I say unto you, That God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Don't depend on Abraham as your father. You have to do something yourself. You have to take a stand for yourself. Look at verse 10. And now also the, the axe is laid onto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is healed and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than high, whose shoe I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand? 
and he will truly purge his flock and gather his weight into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Look at how he spoke. He spoke against the Pharisee and the Sadducees because they were religious set that they hated the Lord Jesus Christ. Even before he came into the world, they do not believe in him. So he said that you are so viper, you are so wicked. And he rebuked them to their face. He was not being chicken. He was not being hiding. Oh, I don't want them to hear me. If I'm preaching against these people, I don't want them to. No, he stood to their face and said, you are so wicked. You are so wicked. They hated him to the point that it cost him his life. It cost John the Baptist his life for speaking the truth. And the last one, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Listen, our Lord Jesus Christ, it did not spare anyone. Some people will say, oh, Jesus Christ was on, I mean, was, Jesus Christ was not speak. He was, he wasn't, he, everything he speaks was love. Is that true? Is it everything that Jesus said was love? No. Jesus spoke against the Pharisees. He spoke against the Sadducees because they were doing things that were not right. Look at what the Bible says. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. So when people tell you that, oh, you don't have to talk about these people. Listen, it is item we stand. If you don't want people, a good and innocent people will forfeit him. A lot of innocent people today, they will forfeit him. So it is high time we start warning people. Listen, you have to be careful of these people. Look at what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 20. Verses 20 to 27. I'm going to quickly read it, then we'll be done for today. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 to 27. Are we all there? Are we all there? Sati Wanibe. All right, Wanibe. All right, let me read it. Then begin he to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Look at what he said in verse 21. He said, What unto thee, Chorazin? What unto thee, Bethsaida? For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Ty and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Ty and Sodom at the day of judgment than for you. Verse 23. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Ty and Sodom, it, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Look at verse 25. And at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Lord, Lord of heaven, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes, even so far them. For so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my father. And no man knoweth the son but the father. Neither knoweth any man the father save the son. And he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. So Jesus Christ spoke against the cities 
He spoke against Bethsaida. He spoke against Chorazin. He spoke against Capernaum. Because he went to the city and they failed to believe him. Say, woe unto you. Listen, it is high time we search the scripture. We need to believe this book. Study. Listen, I've told you several times, I've read this Bible over and over and over again. And I'm still reading it. Reading my Bible over and over again. And I can spot lies at a distance. When a pastor, I listen to pastors on radio. When a pastor is preaching, I listen, you know, my family can testify. We listen on radio. And I can spot lies at distance. That is discernment, the spirit of discernment. You'll be able to spot lies from errors. But if you don't study your word, if you don't study the Bible, if you don't study the word of God, you will never be able to decide what is right or wrong. And that is why we need the word of God. We need to take a bold stand on the word of God. I, I don't keep, listen, if that is all what you know, the word of God, it is enough for you. It's a treasure. That you can keep. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word will never pass away. Do you know one thing that God will be, we will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ? We'll be judged by this book. Whether to, you will receive a reward or you will not receive a reward. And I've told you several times, a judgment seat of Christ is for believers. No unbelievers will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. There is another judgment for unbelievers, which is called the white throne judgment. That is where unbelievers will also receive their deeds. And they will be judged according to their works. And their punishment also will be different. There will be degree of punishment in hell. Degree of punishment in hell. According to their word. So they will also receive reward according to their work. Just as much as believers will receive their rewards according to their works, unbelievers will receive their, I mean, rewards according to their works. So we need to study the word of God. We need to preach the word of God. We need to study the word of God. We need to believe the word of God so that we can spot the heroes that is so rampant in our community today. Every herbal, let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have. Thank you for the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. Father, we pray, whole Lord, that we help everyone tonight, that we help us to take a bold stand for your word in everything that we do and say. Father, we pray, oh Lord, if there's someone here tonight that is uh, confused about what is going on in our society, help them, oh Lord, Father, to be consoled through your word and to depend on your word. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for coming tonight. We are so...